To start off our kind of what we call our summer series, after finishing Ecclesiastes, we, we brought in a guest speaker to, to help start us off. This person is no stranger to Christian Layman Church. He is actually one of our former pastors when he was pastor of family ministries back in the early 90s. And uh, he served for a few years, but then he f- uh, heard the call of God and decided to answer that call to go plant a church. And at that time, it was in Castro Valley. Now they're out in Pleasanton. And so Pastor Brian um, started Pathway Community Church. So some of you may have heard about that church, too, one of our sister churches. Pastor Brian is now retired, something I'm looking forward to soon, too. So he, he has four daughters all grown up, and now he actually gets to play with two grandchildren, right? Yeah. So Pastor Brian is married to Gina, who is here too. You never age. <laughs> you look good. So Pastor Brian is a good friend of mine. Uh, not only do I know him as a colleague, as a mentor, as a personal counselor, we go vacation together. So he uh, took me out to the Holy Land, and so we had a great time in Israel uh, this past April. And actually, I'm going to be taking him out to Hawaii at the end of this year. So we look forward to traveling together. So without further ado, why don't we give a warm CLC welcome to Pastor Brian Oyang. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Oh, that's pretty loud, huh? <laughs> well, it's so good to be with you this morning. I think it's a, I count it a very high privilege and an honor to uh, be here at Christian Lehman. And as Pastor Calvin mentioned, uh, uh, we, we were here in the early 90s. And um, it, it's true, my wife is timeless. She doesn't age. Look at me. <laughs> I, I, I have the curse of aging. So anyway, she doesn't. I have to tell you this. Uh, let me just mention, too, about Pastor Calvin. We become traveling partners and uh, um, it's true we we went to the Holy Land but before that we went to Hawaii together and again he invited me to go back to Hawaii so I guess he likes me we're going to go back with them in October you know what I hate about Pastor Calvin he can eat and he never gets gains any weight I don't know what the secret is with that but but I just watch him, and you know, when we go to these different locations, like particularly Hawaii, you can eat, he eats all the locomoco and you know all that stuff, and and uh, I'm just envying him because he doesn't seem to gain a pound, <laughs> you know. And the same thing in the, in the, the Holy Land, the same thing happened there as well. And I'm not looking forward to Hawaii because I know he's going to go ahead and eat, and I'm not going to be able to do that. But uh, you know, the God God has blessed him with that. I have to tell you a funny story. Uh, we were coming back from Hawaii a long time ago, maybe not too long ago, with my wife. And you know how they have three seats in the plane? And, uh, you know, we, we're, there's two of us, and so one of the seats occupied by somebody else. And so this young girl was sitting uh, in the aisle seat. I was sitting by the window, and my wife was sitting in the middle. And um, as we were coming home, I fell asleep on the plane, as I normally do. And uh, then my, I... Uh, her overheard, even while I heard the girl in the aisle say to my wife, hey, um, when your dad wakes up, <laughs> can you ask him what time it is? 
<laughs> I know that was a compliment for her, but I felt so bad. I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that about? Anyway, <laughs> I'll never live that one down. <laughs> and it's, it pops up in my mind every day, that, that, that comment, you know. But anyway, that's, it was funny. It was funny. So it's good to be with you this morning. And uh, uh, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1 this morning. I think it's a really tremendous psalm. has a lot of, of uh, you know, great information in that psalm and how, to, how we are to live the Christian life. Well, let me begin by asking you this. How many of you have ever noticed or recognized the beauty of things that are paired together? Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever stopped and thought about, wow, these things that are paired together, wow, it's really amazing. And, it, and that it's the, the, the beauty of that uh, sometimes can really take our breath away. For instance, uh, let me explain. How many of you like apple pie? Every hand should be raised in this room. That's one of my favorite desserts, apple pie. And does anybody know what the best apple pie is in the world? The best apple pie? Anybody know? And you know what it is. Come on. Claim jumpers. Right? Well, that's at least my favorite apple pie uh, because you can get it frozen or you can go to claim jumpers and get it there. But definitely it's in all the grocery stores. And sometimes it goes on sale for $5.99. That's what I like the best about it. But what is it that you would pair with apple pie, especially claim jumpers apple pie, that would make it absolutely delightful? Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah, I mean, automatically you would say that, right? And not just ice cream. Come on now. It has to be vanilla bean ice cream, right? You put those two things together, what a pair, right? That's dynamite. And, uh, you know, you just can't resist uh, having a bite of apple pie and ice cream, right? Uh, since we're on food items, the second food item that I would want to highlight here today is that, and maybe you will guess because uh, all my friends know that this is my favorite food item. Could you guess what it is? It's a meat. Steak. Steak. House of prime rib. prime rib. Oh, I just love prime rib. How many of you, what would you say is, what would you say needs to be paired with prime rib and you can probably think of a lot of things but for me there's this one thing that I got to have when I have my prime rib potato, potato. yeah that, that could be definitely one of them huh? spinach yeah you're you're all kind of hot there but for me the item that you have to have with prime rib is ajou I know some of you don't agree with that but that's what I like and especially go to House of Prime Rib when they pull out that cart. How many have been there? When they get that cart and they carve that, you know, that piece of prime rib and they give you that, they pour that ajou on top. Oh boy, it's to die for, right? It's to die for. And when you pair those two things together, it's, it's, it's delightful. It's really delightful to have those two things. And I can go on and on and share a lot of other things that you, and you probably could too, think of things that are paired together that, that, um, you know, that you would say, that's a beautiful thing that those two things are paired together. Now, there are some things that are paired together that make it good. But there are some things that are paired together that are essential, that affect the functioning of something. And you probably could think of a lot of those things, but here's what I thought of. The things that are paired together that are functional 
essential and necessary. An airplane with wings. Duh, right? Yeah, an airplane, that's essential, that's necessary. You can't have an airplane without wings. A car and an engine, right? Those are essential things that are paired together. You can't, you can't have a car without an engine and other things too, of course, but that, that's, it, that, that's something that definitely has to be paired with a car. A boat and a rudder, rudder, right? Without a rudder, your boat would go nowhere, right? Um, how about um, a book and an ending? A book and an ending. Those things paired together, essentially, you have to, you're not going to read a book without an ending, right? So those are essential things. How about this one? The Warriors and Steph Curry. Any Warriors fan? Yeah? <laughs> we can't say Kevin Durant anymore, sorry. Yeah. But some of you probably would say that. But maybe those diehard Warrior fans here today might say, Steph Curry and the NBA, <laughs> Right? paired together and uh, I can go on and on and you can find out that these are essential things there are things that make something good because they're paired together and there are some things that are absolutely necessary and have to be paired together and this morning I want to talk about something that I feel and believe that is we might have overlooked and that's our prayer lives and that's essential for all of us as believers to have a prayer life I mean, you, can, you don't have to look very far in the Scripture to find out that prayer is important and that we have this necessary, important communication with God. And the title of the message this morning is The Other Side of Prayer. Because I think what we have overlooked in our prayer life, and, and you probably have been you know, told this many times over and over again in messages, you know, and friends who are Christians tell you, it's very necessary for you to pray and talk to God to have that communication line always open to God and to talk to him. But I think the other side of the prayer that we might have neglected and, and that we need to see just as important as talking to God is listening to God, hearing God. And I think one of the things that we might neglect in our prayer life that's essential and important to really having a vibrant, alive, real prayer life is not just simply talking to God, but listening to God. And I think that might be something that's omitted or absent in our prayer lives. And when we, you know, essentially some of you may even have to, I may have to encourage you this morning to have a prayer life, to begin one, and, you know, to, to build one into your lives, and, you know, to definitely have that opportunity on a daily, regular basis to talk to God and to build into that prayer life, not just simply talking to God, but listening to him. And so when we have our prayer time, the biggest and loudest voice that God speaks to us in is what? It's the Bible. It's his word. And sometimes we neglect to see that and the importance of that in the fact that God is not just, it's just not a bunch of words that we are listening to or you know but this is God's word to us and he's speaking to us and I think uh, it's essential that as we have these times of prayer in our life that we bring with us not just our voice in speaking to God but we bring with us his word 
and that we would open that word and, and really seek to hear what he has to say to us. You know, I think sometimes <clears throat> we as Christians might talk too much. Do you think so? And maybe we, you know, God is listening to us and he's listening to what we have to say to him and we're t- talking about the things that we're struggling with and absolutely we should do that. But I think sometimes God wants to, to, to silence us, right? And that's why he says in Psalms, be still and know that I am God. And we've forgotten that. And we've forgotten that, that important practice in our life to listen to the voice of God, to hear him. And therefore, you know, it's important that we build into our prayer lives uh, the two things that are paired together that make prayer life really alive is not just talking to God, but listening to God. Um, this morning I'm going to look at Psalm chapter 1, so uh, let's look at that passage and let me read it to us this morning so we get the whole context of what uh, this, this subject is about. Psalm chapter 1, and it should go up on the screen, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, the entire psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, his delight, what lights him up, what turns his crank, what makes him, you know, really eager to know God, his delight is in the law of the Lord, which means the truth of God or the the scripture. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Next verse, verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all, he, all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What a powerful passage of scripture. And, you know, uh, this passage is talking about prayer. It could be divided into two sections or, or two parts. The first part of the psalm really talks about the results of listening to God, verses 1 through 3, the results of listening to God. And then the second part, which we'll cover later on, is the results of not listening to God, verses 4 to 6. So the first thing that the psalmist brings out in verses 1 to 3 is the results of listening to God. And there's two results that he points out in verses 1 to 3. The first result is in verses 1 and 2. Look what he says in verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The first thing the psalmist points out to us is the result of listening to God is that real truth prevents sin. That's what he's talking about in verse 1. If you look at verse 1 
And you notice that what it says there, this guy, he delights in the law of the Lord. And the reason, and what results of that is that it prevents sin. It keeps him on the path of really walking in the way that God wants him to walk. And therefore, it prevents sin from entering into life. It's like a shield. It's like a shield that deflects sin. And that helps him to realize that the, this is not the, the way that God wants me to go or us to go, but this is the way that God wants to go. That's the beauty of the word of God. The word delight is really a powerful word here. He delights in the law of the Lord. Delight means extreme gratification for something that you desire so much. It has that kind of sense to this word, that you desire it so much you can't avoid it. You want it all the time. You ever have an experience like that where there's something that you just want to have all the time? You're so attracted to it that you don't want to give it up. In fact, you would give up any other thing just to have that. Have you ever experienced that? Going to Hawaii is like, for me, that. You know, I hear people say that if you go to Hawaii... If there's any place in a vacation spot that you would go back over and over again, it would be Hawaii. I totally agree with that. That's why Calvin and Terry and us, we're going back. We're going back there again. You've experienced something that, that something's so delightful that you, it's unavoidable. You want it, you know, and you, don't, you have such an appetite for it that it, when you taste it, you just want more of it. For instance, how many of you have a favorite restaurant that you go to? that you would forsake all other restaurants and you would go to that restaurant in a heartbeat. You would go there because you know that it's good and it's great. I have a favorite restaurant and my favorite restaurant is named after a king. Burger King. (laughs) Did you get that? Man, I tell you, uh, my mouth waters whenever I see a Burger King. I don't know why, but I just like Burger King. And the reason, maybe one of the reasons why is because you can get two Whoppers for six bucks. Two, two Whoppers for six bucks. And I eat them both. <laughs> I, I shouldn't really, uh, you know, admit that, but it's just, you know, Whopper is better than Five Guys. Whopper is better than Habit. Uh, Whopper is better than McDonald's. Whopper is better than any gourmet restaurant that serves specialty hamburgers. I still say Whopper is the best. And when I see that, that, that Burger King, when I drive by, it's, it's just my eyes just open wide. It's delightful. It's delightful. You know, I just got to have it, you know. How about movies? Does anybody here have a special movie that, that they go to that they you know there are some movies that really are inspirational thank god there are some that really can uh you know challenge us as as human beings as even as believers anybody have a movie that they you know they like will view frequently just to be reminded that you know that uh, they can be inspired they can be challenged my favorite movie is guess what rudy Anybody know? Anybody see Rudy? Maybe some of you younger folks here never seen Rudy before. How many seen Rudy? Raise your hand. How many say that is totally inspirational movie? For some of you who have not seen Rudy, I highly recommend it. It's about a guy, a a young guy, 
and let's just briefly tell you about this movie, about a young guy who lives in this steel town uh, adjacent to Notre Dame University. And as he is growing up, you know, uh, there's no chance for him to go to Notre Dame. No chance at all because he didn't have the grades. He's a blue-collar, he's from a blue-collar family. All they could do is really admire the Notre Dame football team, which was a very premier, you know, football team. And his big dream was to go to Notre Dame and not even, you know, he probably wouldn't be able to get on the team, but at least to be on the team. He may not be able to play, but he wanted to be on the team. And so that was his driving, you know, life motivation was to get to Notre Dame. But he never had the grades. I mean, he basically kind of failed high school. So he had to go to community college. And uh, after a number of years and after a number of attempts, he finally got the grade point to get into Notre Dame. And then he got into Notre Dame the next step was to get onto the football team. And the only way they could get on the football team was they had open sign-ups, and so he signed up, and he ended up, to make a long story short, he ended up on the practice squad. And basically on the practice squad, you're just a tackling dummy. That's what you are. You're, you're there to help the, the, the real team prepare for the games. And so for a number of years, all he did was he was on the practice squad. And he would be beat up and beaten down and, you know, battered and bruised and all that. And he wasn't a big guy. He was a little guy, too. So the big guys would just knock him down and, you know, he'd get black and blue bruises and so forth. But he never gave up. He never gave up. And his big dream was that he would one day at least, the, 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 the thing that he dreamed of was putting on the uniform and stepping out onto the field so that his dad could see him and say, oh, you made it on the team. Well, he, he did this year in, year out, and, you know, he never quit. And finally, the last game in his senior year came up, and he, you know, wanted to at least suit up. But his name was, you know, every week they put the names of the players, and his name was on the, not on the list. And so what happened was his teammates saw his perseverance, and they all went to the coach, and they said, put Rudy, they actually put their jerseys on the, his desk and say, put Rudy in in place of me. Put Rudy in in place of me. The, the pressure was that put on the coach, and he finally put him on the team, on the roster to play that, uh, to not even play, just to wear a uniform. And Rudy came out of the tunnel and with his teammates, and he went to the bench, and he was like all fired up and everything, and the teammates were patting him on the back. And the coach said, you know, the coach was going, ah, oh, what's wrong with this guy? And so he finally got onto the field. And he, but he never got to play until the very last minute of the game. And the players, one at a time, began to shout, Rudy. Remember that? Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. And then the it ignited the whole stadium and everybody was going, Rudy, Rudy. And so finally, the, they were winning the game anyway and the coach sent him in. And once he went in, the entire stadium erupted in a huge cheer just for this one guy. That's 
delightful. Man, what, what a, you know, you want to see that movie because it, it, it's something that shows, you know, this kind of perseverance, this kind of drive uh, to, to come out and win and be ahead and just to walk out onto the field. That's what the psalmist is talking about, the word of God is that do we have that kind of hunger and desire and thirst to know that the word of God is so is, is better, is sweeter than honey, the scripture says. And if we sink our lives into it, you'll discover that. You will. How many of you, you know, find it delightful to have a, a, a good friend? A great friend. Not just a good friend, but a great friend. Anybody here have a great friend? I mean, they're rare, they're very rare. You know, when I was in high school, uh, a long, long time ago, <laughs> well, I won't even tell you the year, uh, our family, my family lived in East Oakland on the bottom part of East Oakland, and I was attending a high school called Fremont High School. And all the way up until my junior year, I was attending this high school. And then my parents decided, don't do this to your kids. It's kind of, it's, it's traumatic. They decided, we're going to move. I go, wait, I'm in 11th grade. I have all my friends here. And, and now you're saying we're going to move? So they say, yes, we're going to move. We're going to move up into the Oakland Hills. Higher status, better living. And I go, but my friends are all down here. And my parents said, no, we're going to move. And so we moved to the Oakland Hills. And I, it was dreadful because I didn't have any friends. In my first day of school at Skylight High School, I didn't know anybody. And that's, that's a hard, that's a really difficult, traumatic for a young person, right? Maybe some of you can identify with that, uh, that you've experienced something like that. And I felt like I was just being rejected by everybody. Nobody would talk to me, you know, nobody, I didn't know anybody. And the, the first few weeks was like totally, uh, you know, a traumatic experience. One day, I was walking through the portables by myself, really dejected, feeling rejected, feeling like I had no friends, really angry at my parents, thinking, why did we do this? I had all my friends down there, and, you know, it might have been a bad high school, but at least I had a good friends, a lot of good friends. And all of a sudden, as I was walking through these portables, I felt a tap on my shoulder. And a little tap. And I turned around and it was, you know, I'm not very tall myself, but this guy was like this. A little guy. And he tapped me on the shoulder. And I go, huh? Can I help you? And he goes, I noticed that you're by yourself. And I've been noticing you for the past few weeks that you're new here and you don't have any friends. Is that right? And I go, how did you know that? Because I, he said, I observed you. And he said, guess what? I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend, and I want you to help, help you, you know, adjust to this new environment. And he became my absolute best friend. That's delightful. That's a friend that you delight in. And all the years, you know, that went by, he was loyal. He was there at any moment. You know, that's, that's truly somebody who sacrifices, who really, you know, puts friendship at a very high level, you know, a high priority. And I couldn't believe it. 
and the saddest day of my life, one of the saddest days of my life, when he died, he was only 50 years old, and he passed away, and that, I lost that day somebody who was just a tremendous friend in life. You see, real truth, if we delight in the law of the Lord, and it says there also to meditate, right? It says to meditate. And you know what it says there about meditating is that that means to really think and ponder about this, really consider it in a very serious way and be open and looking for what God is speaking to you, what he's saying. That's meditation. Really having the the urgency, the desire, the hunger, the thirst of really wanting to draw out what God is saying. And if you have that, he will speak to you. His word will come alive in your heart. It'll be, it'll be a delight. It'll be delightful. And he makes it a 24-7 experience, right? 24-7. That means he's not a part-time Bible lover. He's a full-time Bible lover. Now look at what verse, uh, verse 3 says. Real truth not only prevents sin... But real truth really helps us to grow. Let's go back to the verse, verse 3 again. Sorry. It says this. He is like a tree. God picks a metaphor here of something that's very strong and solid, hard to knock down, right? A tree. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does he prospers. Wow. You know what this is saying? It's saying this, and let's go to the next slide, please. Listening to God, real truth keeps us rooted, rooted in God. And now notice here, what he's saying in this verse 3 is that this has to be intentional. It has to be something that you willfully do, that you intentionally do that you make it really a practice in your life. It's not something that's, that, that is optional. It's something that's you know, a high priority that you need to do. And what he says there in verse 3 is that intentionally what he does is the tree is planted where? By streams of water. Because you've got to put your roots where you can grow. And that's what he's saying. And the psalmist is saying that 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 real truth really will, will, will cause you to be rooted in God if you plant it in the right place. How many of you are familiar with John chapter 4? That's a beautiful passage of Scripture, right? John chapter 4 is when Jesus had the encounter with the Samaritan woman. Remember that? The woman at the well? And I think this, that, that story really kind of pictures this very well. Because in that story, Jesus was not supposed to be talking to that woman. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. And a woman's not supposed to be talking to a man, Jesus, who's a Jew. And so these two people who are not supposed to be talking to each other talk to each other. That's God, really. God, you know, makes that happen. And Jesus needed a drink of water. And, of course, the woman offered him some water, the physical water. But what did Jesus tell her? I have water to offer you that goes beyond this physical water. And if you draw from that well, you will never, ever 
be thirsty again. That's living water. And so that metaphor really transfers right over to what he, the psalmist is saying, is that, you know, we, our problem is not this. Our problem is not that we don't have a well to draw from. Our problem is we don't draw from the well. That's our problem. And that's what Jesus is saying. You know, our problem is we, we probably don't draw from that well as we should draw from that well. And it will make a huge difference in our life if we do that. So listening to God results in these two things. It prevents sin and it helps us to be rooted in God. Now in verses 4 through 6, what the psalmist tells us is what happens when you don't listen to God. What happens when you don't listen to God? So verse 4 the results of not listening to God says this. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. What is he saying there? Next slide. This is false truth. False truth results in being lost. You know what chaff is? Chaff is that the shell that's on the wheat and what, re, what is the good part of the wheat is, is that kernel of wheat, the shell, is of no value. And what he says there is that when the shell is separated from the, from the, the kernel of seed, the shaft can be blown away anywhere, anywhere. It can land any place. It's not rooted in anything. It doesn't have any solid roots. There's nothing to keep it anchored down. And therefore, what happens is it goes anywhere it wants, and it, and it can end up in a very bad place. I'm afraid to say that we are living in times where this is absolutely happening. That our culture, I mean, I've lived a long time now, and, you know, I've seen a lot of things over the decades. I can say I've lived decades now because, can you believe this? I just turned 70 years old. Alan Pammer laughing. (laughs) You're right behind me. (laughs) <laughs> they're still young though <laughs> I, I can't believe you know uh, the, the years of how they've gone by and you know 70 is like like a vapor is gone and what I've observed over these, the course of these years is really a decay of our society of culture going downhill do you feel that do you, do you feel the just, I mean, the, it gives you that feeling every time you turn on the news or you look at the things that are going on around the world that it just feels like everything is collapsing. The morality is really, you know, it used to be in, when I was growing up in the 60s, it, it used to be we could tolerate Christians and maybe some of the things are good. Now, in our day, it's like we hate Christians. We don't like what they stand for. We don't like, you know, absolute truth. We don't think the Bible is God's word and we're really collapsing at a very rapid rate. Doesn't it feel like that? And I think that's what the psalmist is saying. It's like they're like chaff being blown everywhere. And people are turning to things that are not going to be, you know, really helpful. They're turning to science. They're turning to education. They're turning to politics, right? They're turning to entertainment, all those things people are turning to. And in the end, you know, it might be, bring some satisfaction or, you know, to them for a little bit, 
but in the end, it's going to collapse. It's going to fall apart. It's not going to address the whole issue of eternity. It's not going to address the issue of sin and really the morality that we're seeing collapsing around us. And I think that's what the psalmist is telling us. And he's warning us. And that's why he's saying, you know, you need to be rooted in God's word so you don't collapse with the the things that are collapsing around us, that we are still standing in the truth and standing in God's truth. You know, I I don't have this on on a slide, but just to... uh, this, this really came to such a, you know, insightful passage to me as I thought about the psalmist, what the psalmist is saying, and really the society and the, the, the culture that we're living in today. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I just read this to, to you this morning, just listen to what he says here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, and it's such a powerful image of what we are seeing happening in our day right now today, just like a mirror image of what what we see, what we're experiencing. It says this, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for the people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Man, I, I, I mean, you, what he wrote there is such a powerful image of our day, isn't it? I hate to say this, but I think we're getting closer and closer to really, I, and I'm hoping that closer and closer to Christ's return. I don't think God is going to let this continue on the way that it is. And the psalmist is saying that, you know, people are like chaff now. They just like float anywhere and believe anything and do whatever they want. And that's what we're seeing. You know, the last pass, uh, verse, the last two verses here are tragic. Um, it says this, and they're very, very self-explanatory what it says here. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish I'm afraid to say that uh, what, what this passage is saying is, is gives us a picture of there's going to be an end and that end means that and this could be you know as I looked at this verse especially the last part of verse 6 where it says but the way of the wicked will perish wicked is another synonymous term to being sinner wicked is actually the action of sinners sinner is the you know the noun or saying this is what people do people are people are and wicked is what people do the last part of verse six will be the saddest saddest moment in eternity just just 
It's hard to fathom that. There's going to be a judgment. And people are lost. They're blind to that. They're lost in their way, right? And I think that that end of that verse, verse 6, will be the saddest, saddest moment in eternity when that last judgment occurs. That's the result of not listening to God, is being lost and resulting in God's judgment. Aren't you glad this morning that if you're a follower of Christ, it humbles us to realize, you know, the grace that God has given to us in Christ Jesus, that if you've accepted and received that, oh my goodness, it is humbling. It's humbling to us to realize that that despite the fact that we are wicked, that we have sinned, that he saves us, that he offers us mercy and grace in light of that. It's amazing. You know what this whole passage in Psalm 1 is talking about is this, and this, this I hope will really encourage you in your prayer life, is that, next slide please, the, the thing that's key, the principle that God wants us to see from Psalm 1 is this. And it's very simple. A complete prayer life is speaking. And you've all heard that before. But I want to really emphasize not only speaking. A complete prayer life is speaking and listening to God. And so when you come to, the, you know, and, and Jesus told us, you know, Matthew 6, that we need to have a prayer life. And he says there in Matthew 6 that we need a secret place. Remember that? We need a secret place. And I hope you've found that secret place and that secret time where you get together with God and you pray. And when you come to that place, you know, you're not only going in there to, to talk to God, but I hope you bring your Bible with you and you open it up and you realize, wow, God is going to speak to me in a powerful way. Not just me talking to him, but he's going to speak to me personally. And he's going to open up my eyes to really how he wants me to live my life. And he's going to open up my eyes to really see the truth of who he is in Christ Jesus. Jesus said this. Next slide, please. This life application. Jesus said this. Jesus said, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. That's what the Bible is. is truth. And when you absorb that truth... It will set you free. Now, how do we do that? Let me give you an example and a little practice here this morning. A very simple little practice. And go to the next slide, please. What is the biblical truth? Does, what biblical truth does God want you to live by? I think we need to ask ourselves that question all the time. It's a constant question, you know, that should be in our hearts and our mind. What biblical truth does God want want us to live by today, every day? That's a simple question. If you ask that question and you put your, and you focus on the scripture, he will answer that question. He will answer that question. Now look at this, uh, this next uh, slide here. I want you to look at this verse, this one verse. Sometimes I hear people say, oh, the Bible is so complicated, and in some ways it is. But in some ways it's really simple. I mean, you know, simple that a child can understand it. 
And there are so many scriptures that we can, you know, we don't have to have a commentary. We don't need to have a Bible scholar. We don't need a preacher to tell us what it is. There are so many scriptures that are so clear and so simple to understand that I think that, you know, you will find many of those and as promises of God, as the truth of who God is, you can dig those out without having any kind of problem. There are so many of them. This is one of them, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. This verse is nothing complicated about it, right? It's very straightforward. It says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That spells out really what it means to have a relationship with God and that the only way that that can happen, and it's very straightforward, right? If salvation is in no other name, not Buddha, right? Not Mohammed, none of those names. And it's very clear cut what, what God is saying from this verse. There's no one else, no other name given under heaven. I want you to look at that verse and just meditate. You know, well, meditate means think about it. Ponder. Take a moment, meditate on this verse, just a minute or two. That's all you really need. You know, you don't need hours and hours. Sometimes a verse can leap out at us and tell us so much in 30 seconds, in one minute, that we get it. We'll get it. What truth do you discover from this verse for yourself? What truth do you discover? You know, just looking at this verse... What does it say to you? So just close your eyes for one minute, okay? And think about the the power of this verse and what it means for you. Give you just one minute to do it. Father God, thank you for uh, just the opportunity to be here this morning. And uh, we have gained so much from Psalm chapter 1. It's so rich. Uh, I haven't even touched the surface of what this psalm is saying. But Lord, we realize that what it's saying is that, that our prayer life has to be deepened. That our prayer life is not just speaking to you, but listening to you. And you have so much to say to us. And sometimes uh, we overlook that that when we go to our Bible, we kind of like not see because we're not really meditating. We're really, our minds sometimes drifting off in different places, but pray that you might give us the discipline to really build into our prayer lives, uh, not just the the time to pray, you know, uh, to you of the things that, you know, we're going through, but also listening for the answers, listening for the truth that you have to speak to us. Thank you for these dear folks here, Christian Lehman. And I pray that you might continue to touch each person's life here in a way that they can so clearly see your presence in their life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Um, at this time, we're going to move into um, just a chance to, to respond. Um, to the truth 